0: And, you know, I've been fortunate to travel many places around the globe and to see some of the most beautiful places really uh, in the world, uh, like the Canadian Rockies. I remember my first trip there and seeing that and Banff and all of that area, beautiful, just absolutely stunning. I remember the awe of the first time I stood at the edge of Niagara Falls, watching that go over and uh, just an incredible uh, experience and sight. I remember overlooking the Grand Canyon. And uh, all of these are places that have just this kind of stark, incredible beauty. It's a majestic, in some cases, kind of beauty. And sometimes you are in those places and you look and say, how could someone not believe that there was a designer, a creator that made these uh, things? Uh, Those are majestic, beautiful kinds of places. But you know, there are other places I got to thinking about that are special, but not because of their beauty, uh, not because of the setting or the environment they're in but because of the reason that they are special <clears throat> I remember standing in the Colosseum in Rome and I remember that moment and uh, the ruins there it's not a beautiful sight but to stand in that Colosseum uh, is incredibly moving at least it was for me because I remembered that just 2,000 years before uh, untold numbers of Christians had been thrown to the lions there because they refused to uh, deny Jesus Christ and it was moving for me as I stood there in that Roman Colosseum. It's special because of the heritage that it has. I remember on one occasion uh, uh, walking through uh, Arlington Cemetery and uh, seeing all the white crosses that you've seen before, and maybe you've been there, and, and the many other uh, uh, memorial stones there, but the, the seeing those crosses just does something. Uh, when you realize it represents... Uh, Uh, Thousands of lives of men and women that have given themselves for our freedoms and it's special uh, because uh, of that. I remember standing in St. Peter's Basilica and looking uh, at something I'd seen pictures of but had never seen up close and personal until that moment. The Pieta, Michelangelo's incredible sculpting of Jesus laying in the arms of his mother Mary after he'd come down off the cross. And it looks realistic, it's lifelike, and I remember how that moment uh, captured me and how moving that was. Uh, I've driven across the Sinai Desert and seen the burned-out remains of the six- and seven-day wars where God did an incredible work to deliver Israel from its attackers. But I also remembered as I drove across this starkness, just starkness, It just is sand, and just driving across there thinking about... The tragedy of the children of Israel who wandered there for 40 years. I stopped some years ago when I was speaking before I was your pastor I was speaking up in the Boston Massachusetts area and uh, on the morning on the way to a place outside of Boston where I was to speak I happened to look and see in a rural area just off the side of the road an old church and I decided I had some time I'd pull off and and I'd go walk there was a cemetery attached to that old church and I walked through this old cemetery and began to read the tombstones and these tombstones had been there for over 200 years in some cases and grass had grown up all in this place but you could walk up and they were tombstones, revolutionary tombstones of men and women who had given their lives in the cause of the American Revolution and here's what was stunning about that and it's still etched in my mind it's a special place because some on the tombstones were the dates of their birth and death and some of them were were teenage boys many of them were just teenage boys who had given their lives I remember uh, traveling to Pearl Harbor and going out on that boat to the memorial, the USS Arizona Memorial. Maybe you've been there and walking in there and looking down and seeing the USS Arizona that is uh, on the bottom still entombing the lives of uh, those who've served our nation. I remember that. It's etched in my mind. And then, of course, there's the Holy Land. Several occasions, having taken trips there and taken groups there, uh, so many memories and so many things that make it a special place the the Sea of Galilee sitting in a boat there uh, much like the boats that the disciples fished out of and sitting out on that sea and thinking about what had transpired there that had so changed my life I remember walking the the Via Della Rosa the way of suffering and the seven stations of the cross and the path that jesus walked on his way to golgotha i remember sitting inside the garden tomb and i remember standing on top of the mount of olives and looking out uh, for the first time over the the ancient city i remember the temple mound i remember going to the jordan river on several occasions and baptizing people there thinking that somehow some way maybe it was similar to those days when john the baptist came i remember bethlehem and the shepherd's cave and the shepherd's field and the place where they honor the birth of christ i remember standing in the synagogue and leading a devotion the same synagogue we know that jesus himself his feet stood in that place i remember that it's a special place to me it's ruins it's all ruins but the foundation remains there I remember that and thinking some 2,000 years before Jesus, my Savior, had stood there and spoken. I remember going to what remains and what they found of Jericho. You know Jericho where the uh, Israelites marched around for seven days and blew the trumpets and the walls came falling down. There's not much there, there's just some remains that they've dug up, but I remember that, those special places, and they're not special just because you say, wow, that's beautiful, there's no real beauty to it, but they're special because of their significance. Special places, do you have some? you have some special places in your life? God uses special places, and all of us need some special places in our life and i want to talk with you about that today i want to share with you three kinds of places that i believe we all need now our series is god is up to something big and because he is he uses places in our life and those places if we recognize what god is doing become special places to us because they deepen our lives or they correct our course and they are places where he makes himself known to us. So I want to talk with you about that this morning. And I want to show you three kinds of special places. If you're physically able to do so, stand with me this morning as we read from our text. 1 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 5. The scripture says, Then Samuel said, Gather all of Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. And so they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured, poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. Now when the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel, and when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us, And the men of Israel went out from Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them as far as below beth Then Samuel took a stone and he set it between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. And so the Philistines were subdued and did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The cities that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath and Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for the stories contained in your word. Lord, may we learn now the truth that you have for us today. Speak to us, Father. Transform us convict us and change us for our good and for your glory we're listening to your word in jesus name amen now last week we preached in the the verses that led up to the verses that we just read it's all part of the same story the setting is the same and if you remember we talked about last week how god's people after 20 years or more of spiritual treason and gross idolatry Had suddenly come to their senses they had renewed their interest spiritually in God and they responded to the message that Samuel had brought a message of repentance and it caused them to get rid of their idols and it caused them to receive the instruction of the Word of God that Samuel gave to them and so after taking these kind of initial steps to get rid of all of their foreign gods Samuel gives them another instruction He tells them to go and gather at Mizpah. Now Mizpah just simply means a village and and it was located in the Gibeon Valley. And it was most likely one of the primary locations where Samuel uh, operated. And so he calls them all together there and here samuel would seek god on their behalf they had called out to god and and samuel said keep calling out to god and then uh, he said i will seek the lord on your behalf and he did and the lord heard him and they renewed their commitment a total commitment uh, to god here and i think when we we look at the story and we look at the passage we see some places that they needed in their lives and certainly special places that you and I need in our life. And I want to share those with you this morning. The first place that you and I need is a place of consecration. A place of uh, consecration. Notice in verses 5 and 6 it says when they gathered there in Israel that Samuel prayed and then as they gathered Uh, they drew out water and they poured it out before the lord fasted and confessed their sins that's what they did in this place it was a place of consecration we need a place of consecration and they poured out this water i'll tell you what that means in just a moment but it was an expression of their new um, devotion to god dr alan redpath a great bible teacher many years ago had two daughters and and he said that when he would come home, his two daughters loved to swarm him. And, and uh, so he said, like any day, he said he'd come in and one of them would grab his leg and hold on tightly. And on one occasion, when she did that, the girl uh, uh, was squeezing her father's leg and, and Alan Redpath said he reached down, took the other girl, picked her up in his arm and held her while the one that was squeezing his leg uh, was holding on. And she said the one on his leg said to the other sister, said, uh, now I have all of daddy. You can see two little girls doing something like that. I've got all of daddy. And then she smirked at, the, at her, her, her sister. But her sister, not to be outdone, looked back at her and said, yeah, but daddy has all of me. You know, that's the real issue of consecration, isn't it? The issue of consecration is not... Uh, uh, Do you have God, but does God have all of you? And upon gathering, the children of Israel in this place of consecration uh, carried out three acts, I believe, that should remind us when the place of uh, consecration uh, is discovered in our life, some responses we should have. Number one, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. Now, what was that all about? That's a symbolic act. And the pouring out of the water represented the pouring out of their hearts. It is representative of their repentance and their commitment to the Lord. They're pouring themselves out before the Lord. Why would they do that? It is because, like all of us, we need places of consecration because we tend to get very self-centered in life, don't we? And Israel had become self-centered. You know, even the idols that they worshipped were all about them, not about the idols. It was, what is the idol going to do for me? That's why they had these idols. Now, they did nothing for them but bring pain and grief and distance from God. But they thought, well, if I have the right idols, those idols will do the right things for me. And so they had become a very self-centered kind of of people. And as a result of that, they had uh, uh, drifted uh, uh, disastrously away from God. And you and I, we are a lot like them. That one of the reasons we like studying Israel is because we see ourselves there, don't we? And they had become very self centered. One of the great enemies of spiritual consecration is when we become self centered. We have a hard time, you see, uh, believing that God is really for us. And so we eventually just began to trust ourselves. Now, the truth is listen, the Bible teaches repeatedly God is for us. God is for us. God is for us. He really is for us. But He also has some expectations of us. And we have a hard time, though, accepting the fact that God is for us. Part of that, I think, is because we know the condition of our own hearts and souls, don't we? So we have a hard time sometimes believing God is really for us. But He is for us, and and because we, we struggle to believe that He is, we struggle to sell out to Him and to really trust Him. But listen to these great words from the psalmist in Psalm 62, 8, who said, Trust in Him at all time, O oh, people, pour out your heart before Him, because God is a refuge for us. The thing that keeps you and the thing that keeps me from the fullness of God uh, so often is that we struggle to empty ourselves and be filled with the Spirit of God. And this, uh, the expression of pouring out the water was an expression of them emptying themselves, saying, No more us, all you. And they were pouring out all of themselves before the altar of God. Consecration happens, you see, when we empty ourselves of ourselves. Do you get that? Consecration happens when we empty ourselves of ourselves. But there's something else that they did. It says they fasted and they confessed their sins. Did you notice that? Uh, What did they do? They asked God to renew and restore their relationship with Him. And you know, God stands ready to repair our relationship. That's why John writes and says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They had become desperate because of their their Philistine enemy. The Philistines had been harassing them and beating on them and taking advantage of them for decades. And finally they had come to the place where they couldn't take it anymore and their idols weren't helping. They weren't getting victory their idols and they recognized their need for the presence of God they recognize their need for the providence of God and the protection of God they had become utterly desperate in uh, the the position they were in and you see I believe one of the great motivators to a consecrated life is desperation uh, and maybe you're watching this or you're listening by radio or in this live audience and Maybe you say, there's not the consecration in my life that there used to be, the dedication to to God that there used to be. Is it possible that you're no longer desperate for God? And you see, they got desperate and then they got consecrated. And sometimes I think it is the right thing to pray, God, make me desperate for you. God, make me desperate so I can experience you and I can again walk in your presence with your provision and protection. One of the great motivators, I really believe, is desperation. That is, we come to that place where we realize that apart from God, there is no peace. We're talking about peace this morning, and apart from God, there is no peace. There is no victory. Dependence, you see, on Him and consecration are connected. And so God will sometimes, God will sometimes use things that, uh, that we might call uh, ungodly. The Philistines, nobody called them godly. But he used them, didn't he, to break the back and the wheel of his people so he could again renew them and restore them and provide and protect for them. God will use circumstances in our life. God will use enemies in our life. God will use battles in our life to create a kind of desperation that will lead us to consecration. And so he had used the Philistines to break them, to bring them to the point where they confessed their sins. They emptied themselves of themselves. They confessed their sins before him, and they repented. And then Samuel went before God on their behalf. God will use these things and to bring us to a place of desperation so that he can bring us to the point of consecration. And then there's a the third thing they did. They began looking to Samuel for spiritual direction. They began looking to him now to to lead them. Now Samuel had been preaching the message uh, and and, uh, declaring the truth of God all during this time. Scholars tell us that all during this 20 plus years of their wandering and their waywardness and their disobedience to God that the message of Samuel had been consistent. But finally in desperation they come and say we're ready to listen. We're ready to hear and so they began to look to Samuel to give them direction. They were no longer looking to the pagan gods, and look, there's a correlation. If you're look, looking and listening to pagan gods, you will have a hard time listening to the Word of God, and so for 20 years, they had been looking to their idols, and they'd been listening to the, the, the paganism of their idol, uh, idolatry, and, and even though Samuel was preaching and declaring a word, they weren't hearing that word until finally the desperation set in when God used the Philistines to break them. Consecration, you see, is about the source of your information. You have to get to the place where you understand this isn't working. This isn't working. God, there must be something more. I remember in college, I was initiated into an organization and. There were several rites of passage they were traditional things that were um, that occurred on the final night of initiation and one of the things uh, that uh, we had to to go through was we had to eat a special kind of soup and when I say it's a special kind of soup I'm going to just tell you this the soup was cooked that night on the stove in the organization house and uh, the other members would come and they would add whatever their favorite ingredient was to the, the pot. And uh, uh, and I can tell you this, none of the ingredients were, were harmful ingredients, but when you mix them together, they'd just about kill you. And they mixed all these things and anything they could find in the cabinets or whatever, they just put it in this big pot and cooked it. And you could smell it and it was... It it was not appetizing. And the initiates had to eat a big bowl of this on that night. And we did. And I will tell you this. Each of the ingredients in that soup undermined the other ingredients in that soup. So that... Maybe if you use them independently, you would enjoy them, but all together, they are nauseous, which was the intended purpose. Well, I want to tell you, I, I say that to say the same is true when you try to mix all the ingredients of the world. You try to mix them all together and put a little of the word in there, it doesn't work. It'll make you sick spiritually. You can't mix them. They had tried to mix. They were okay mixing Samuel's message, but they were mixing it with the message of the p- of pagan gods, and it just didn't work. And it had led finally to their despair. I want to tell you this today don't ever believe that you can mix the information in this world with the information of God's Word and come out healthy. You see, the mixture that you're going to get is always going to undermine the truth of God. It is going to be nauseating. A life that is consecrated to God has one ultimate source of truth, and that is the Scripture, the message of God. Anything else is a road to ruin. And by the way, did you notice that uh, Samuel, when he told them to consecrate themselves, this place he told them together together don't miss this he called them together at mizpah this would be the special place but he called them together he didn't tell them to stay in their homes and work it out on their own with god do you get that he said get all the people together the assembly bring the assembly together he said get them together don't just say well uh, people say well i can take care of i can take care of do you know god has ordained the gathering of his people in the old testament and in the new testament and i thank god that he has because it makes our place special doesn't it it's a special place because of the gathering so samuel calls them all together and Jesus said this, where two or more are gathered, this is why God is always, where two or more are gathered, actually two or three plus is what it means in the, the Greek, I will, I will gather with them, God says. I want to ask you this morning, do you have a place of consecration? Do you have a place of consecration? Is there a Mizpah in your life that helps you stay in tune with God? Why did they gather there? Because that's where Samuel was. Who was Samuel? Samuel was the man of God. Samuel had the the message of God, and so God gathered the people so that they would hear his truth and stay in tune uh, with his will. So we need places of consecration. The second place we need are we need places of commemoration. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this, and so then Samuel took a stone, and he set it up between Mizpah and Shin, and he called its name Ebenezer, for for he said, till now the Lord has helped us. This is a place of commemoration. Now, you have to understand what had happened is that the Philistines had attacked, and after the people had repented, they had uh, gotten rid of their idols, the favor of God returned to them. And when the favor of God returned to them, they routed, they didn't just beat, they routed the Philistines their nemesis the this this people that had been harassing them and and beating them time after time in battles and skirmishes over the years now had been routed. They, God had, had, had thundered, it says, with a mighty voice and it had thrown them into confusion and in their confusion they, they scattered and Israel chased them. A minute before, Israel is afraid of them. Now they have boldness and confidence. Why? Because God is with them. And God had spoken from heaven. And they begin to defeat the enemy, and the enemy begins to flee, and they chase them away. And Samuel, after the battle, took a stone and he set it up as a place of commemoration. This stone was a reminder of their new commitment to God, and it was a reminder that God had helped them. He says, we'll call it Ebenezer. Ebenezer means the stone of my help. Samuel translated, For as uh, uh, up to this time, God has helped us. God has been with us up to this time. We witnessed that. And so he said, Let's set up a stone. Let's remember this. We need some places in our life to remind us of God's help, don't we? That commemorate what God has done in our life. We need marked places, we need them for our memory. That's what they were doing there. You know, the tendency might be to say, oh, yeah, well, I'll always remember this place. I'll always remember this place. But Samuel said, no, we're going we're gonna to erect a marker here because, because your kids will one day come here. We're going to erect a marker here so when you pass, you won't, after years transpire and your memory starts to fade, you won't go, oh yeah, I remember this place. No, you'll look at that stone and you'll be able to say, oh, this is where. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten. And probably at just the time you need to remember, you'll come across that place of commemoration that is special to you because of what God did for you not something you did something he did we need marked places for our memory we have such short attention spans don't we and we easily forget what god has done for us we need these marked places of commemoration to refresh our soul you know when we start wobbling spiritually when we get spiritually frail we need some of those places of commemoration to remind us of how God has come through for us time and time and time again. Let me tell you something. I don't know where you are, but right now it's important to remember something. God has brought you through to this place today 100% of the time because you wouldn't be here if he hadn't. I'd like to claim that bit of wisdom of my own, but it came from my wife. You are where you are because God has brought you through 100% of the time. Isn't that good? And see, the, the markers that commemorate are to remind our soul. When our soul gets weary, when we think we can't go on, it reminds us oh, yeah, I remember we were afraid of the Philistines. But remember this rock? This rock reminds us. And by the way, it was more like a monument. This rock, this monument reminds us, oh yeah, we were afraid. We thought it was curtains. We thought the end had come, that we weren't going to make it. And then this rock reminds us that God took us forward. There are several places in Scripture where God instructs us to put up memorials. We need them because our soul gets weak and weary. We need Mark places of commemoration for our kids and our, the generations that will come uh, behind us. In fact, you know we have one here at Ridgecrest? Have you paid attention to the rock, the water featured rock wall that's out in the Welcome Center? Have you ever taken a moment and walked over there and read the inscription that's on that, on that wall? Have you ever read that? The Lord put it on oh, my heart years ago after he had brought us through some stuff, <clears throat> put up something to remind the generations in the days and the years ahead, after we're gone, remind them, what do these stones mean? When somebody, when somebody comes in this place, and what do these stones mean? What do what, what all these bricks and rocks and all of this stuff mean? Does it, it, does it have any purpose? And I patterned it out of the statement of Joshua God said to Joshua, after they'd crossed the Jordan, He told them to take 12 stones. You remember the story, and to erect this monument, and, and so that uh, the generations that come, would come afterwards would know what God had done, that God had done something mighty uh, in and at that place. The Scripture says, um, when He set up that memorial, that Joshua said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. What do these stones mean? We need places of commemoration to remind us of what God has done, all the incredible things that that, uh, God has done. By the way, we have—I don't know if you've ever—if you'll notice on that feature out there, there are some jars there with stones that people have dropped in. Stones that people that represent families and generations of people uh, uh, from this church. And if you haven't dropped a stone in there, we actually have extra stones at the welcome desk. And if you hadn't, you ought to drop one in. And say, I'm putting my stone in here. They're little pebbles, they're small stones, and you—they'll just go up and say, "Could I have a stone?" Make sure you put it in the jar and don't throw it at the preacher or somebody, okay? But that means I'm a part of what God has done. And and, uh, and so many through the years have, have been a part of what God has done. We need commemorative places. That place for you may be the place that God saved you, it may be the place where God delivered you from something. It's a place of commemoration. It may be a place where God used you in somebody's life, but we need places of commemoration and ways to remember those places. You know, whatever you do, don't forget that, you're, uh, that in your life there are places that God has specifically done His work to show you who He is. Never forget those kinds of places. Those places are not idols. They're not idols to be worshipped. They are places to remind you. Now listen to this. There are several places in the Scripture where there are these commemorative places where God instructed His people so that they would be reminded, reminded, reminded. Somewhere, have you ever thought about this? Somewhere out there, if you go back over here, you went to the Jordan River Valley, and I've been there many times, if you, yeah, uh, wherever it may be where God told them to put these, those stones are still there somewhere. They may have fallen over or something with time or, but those stones are still there. What? They're a reminder. Somewhere the stones remain as a testimony of what God did. They're not idols, again. They are Instead, reminders. They're sacred places to commemorate in your heart what God has done. And every time you see them, every time you think about them, let them remind you of the work of God in your life. There's one last thing I want to show you, one last place. So places of consecration, places of commemoration, and then there are places of celebration we need. Verse 13 says, look at it. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not again enter the territory of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. You see, as I said, after after the people of God got their life right with God, they consecrated their life, the enemy thought this is the perfect time to attack. The enemy heard that they'd all gathered in one place, Mizpah, said they're all there, let's go get them. But what they didn't know is they were different people than the people they would attacked before. Why? Because God was now with them. And so when they uh, were attacked, as I said, they were routed. But before, listen, don't miss this, before they had the celebration, they had conflict. There was conflict before the celebration. Samuel prayed, and then he sacrificed. And because the people were newly consecrated, Because the people were renewed in their dedication, God helped them defeat their enemy. But there was a battle. Don't ever believe that just because you've been to the place of consecration, you won't have to go to the place of conflict. But what you can be assured is that when you get to the place of conflict, after being consecrated, God will go with you. And God will be there in the battles that you face. Now, we tend to think that the battle monuments that we erect are always about soldiers that were lost. Have you ever thought about that? Because most of them are, aren't they? This monument that was erected wasn't to commemorate Israelis that had been lost. It wasn't to commemorate... God's people that had been lost. It was to commemorate a victory that God had won. Do you know there are some victory monuments that testify uh, to to triumph? There are triumphal arches in some cities that testify to victory in battle. Um, But but many monuments are monuments to victory. We often overlook those because we think of the ones that represent. Uh, uh, souls lost and and those are so important but you know you need some some celebration monuments you need some victory monuments places that celebrate victory and so the monument that was set up was not only a place of commemoration it was a place of celebration because it was about victory on the occasion of my fifth anniversary as your pastor you sent Allison and me because of my love for History Duke, for a week in Williamsburg, Virginia, and that whole surrounding area. And I drug my poor wife all over reading plaques. There are so many historical plaques in that area because of so many significant battles, and there are historical markers everywhere, and I read them. Uh, There are some people in this church that have been with me through museums, and they know that uh, it's a long journey. Uh, I I read. I want to know what happened. I'm the kind of person that has to fight not pulling off the side of the road when I see one of those historical markers (laughs) because I want to know what happened right here. What, What happened? But we went there. You sent us there and we spent time there at Historic Williamsburg on the site. You were so kind and And then we traveled around uh, throughout the week to these various other historical sites, uh, particularly related to the American Revolution. And and one of the sites that I wanted to go to, I'd never been to before, was Yorktown, where the Battle of Yorktown was fought. And uh, Yorktown is so significant in the American Revolution because it was at the Battle of Yorktown that Cornwallis surrendered and essentially ended the American Revolution and gave us our independence. And so I wanted to go to Yorktown, and so I'd never been to Yorktown. We went to Yorktown, and uh, they have a beautiful museum there, and the battlefield is massive, and, um, and they have a trail. You can drive a trail through the battlefield, and it, I don't know, it takes you well over an hour. With us, it took longer than that. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm the kind of history nerd that I, I bought the cassette that you put in the tape and and you listen to it and it stops you it dings at certain places for you to stop and it tells you what you're seeing and what happened here i stopped at every ding my wife is a she's a gracious lady and any markers i stopped i read them all mike i just the whole thing i don't know how long it took us a long time and then when you finally come back there you can tour the city of yorktown it's not big but you can tour it and there are houses of some of the famous leaders lived and uh, some wonderful stories. I won't go into all of that. Suffice to say, at one place there's a there's a park in in Yorktown, and in Yorktown there's this big monument. And so I wanted to see the monument, and I wanted to read the monument. We went up to the monument, and it's this massive uh, uh, monument. I don't know, probably 50 feet high or so, and. And we walk up to it and we're walking around and reading some of the inscription on it and everything. And I was trying to find what what, what is it called? What is it for? Do you know what the monument is? Uh, it's a victory monument. It, it is a victory monument. It is not a, a, a monument that commemorates all the revolutionary soldiers who died. It's a victory monument because there, the great victory uh, of the revolution, some say the greatest, happened at Yorktown. And so it's a victory monument. And you know inscribed on that monument, the name of the monument, you know what it is? Listen to this. The name of the monument is the Victory Monument. <laughs> Fitting. And this is, this is inscribed there. Listen. On Monday, October 29th, Congress officially recognized the great victory at Yorktown with this resolution. That the United States in Congress assembled will cause to be erected at York in Virginia, a marble column adorned with emblems of the alliance between the United States and His Most Christian Majesty. Isn't that interesting? And inscribed with a succinct narrative of the surrender of Earl Cornwallis to His Excellency General Washington, Commander-in-Chief of the Combined Forces of America and France, to His Excellency the Count de Rochambeau, Uh, commanding the auxiliary troops of his most Christian majesty in America and his excellence uh, Count de Grasse commanding in chief the naval army of France in the Chesapeake that's what's inscribed on there it is a monument to victory folks we don't just need places of consecration places of commemoration we need places of celebration the victory has been won listen let me tell you one of the big ones One of the big ones is the tomb, the empty tomb. It's a victory monument. It's the place where we say victory has been secured for us. We can celebrate the tomorrows because of the victories of yesterday. We need places of consecration. We need places of commemoration. But we need these places of celebration and victory. The stones in this passage that we read, were set up between Mizpah and Shin. We don't know exactly where this was, but here's what we do know. This monument was set up in a region that had previously been controlled and occupied by the Philistines, but not anymore. The victory had been won, and this place with these stones represented the victory that God had given them And not only that, it says, would continue to give them. Friend, listen, never forget the places of God's victory in your life. Return to them. Celebrate what God did in your life at those places. Remember them. And always let them remind you that He can bring victory into your life again and again and again. You know, I told you I have some special places in my own life. I do. You know, they're not famous places like some of the ones I mentioned, you know, that are known by name, but they're special to me. Places like that little church that I gave my life to Christ in in a revival meeting. Places like that little bedroom that I had in my home where I would sit and study God's Word as a teenager and in that little room God put his call on my life for ministry that's a special place and then I have special places like churches that I've served in over four decades now and then this is a special place to me it's special not just because of the the bricks but it's special because of the people it's special because I've now spent almost half of my military, um, my ministry life, which sometimes is like the military. <laughs> but I've spent almost half of my ministry in this place as your pastor. It's a special place. <clears throat> now, some days when you're not here, I will come down here. <clears throat> and I just walk around. And I pray and I thank God for this place. For all the lives, hundreds, thousands of lives that have been touched in this place and changed in this place. Do you know I have special places in this place where I remember people who got saved and I remember where they were and where they were sitting and when their life was transformed. Special places to celebrate what God has done. You have some of those places? You might not right now remember them but God has one for you. If you've never trusted him, today can become a special time in a special place. <clears throat> it can be your return to Christ. You've wandered. And you need to do what Israel did come and say, God, I confess. I want to return. I want to enjoy the joy of my salvation again. It can be a special place of victory, this place. Victory because God renews you in your walk with Him. It can be a special place of deliverance. There's something you need to deal with. It can be a special place of faith renewal. We all need special places, don't we? God has special places. And those places... predicated on our response would you bow your head and close your eyes no one looking about in this place this morning have you forgotten the special places of God in your life where God moved where God worked where God delivered you maybe God healed you maybe maybe God saved you some special place have you forgotten the special places Have you forgotten to give Him the praise and glory to set up in your heart a victory monument, a celebration? Today, I want to urge you to return to Him just like they did. Make today a special place. Father, would you move now in our hearts, We thank you for what you've done in our lives and what you will do. Father, consecrate us anew. Lord, help us to remember all that you've done. And Lord, help us to celebrate with all our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me for our invitation this morning? You know I'll be here, and our staff will be on the sides, and I want to invite you this morning to, well, make this special in your life in some way. If you don't know Christ, I want to invite you to come and receive Christ uh, this morning to invite Him into your life. If you if you know Christ and and you say, but I've never been baptized, well, come and say I I I want to do that. We'll schedule a time for you. Maybe in this place, you need to come and spend some time with the Lord around the altar. Just seeking him. Just having that make it a special place. The altar is a special place. Maybe this morning you need a church family or home to belong to. I want to invite you to come. This is a special place. It's not a perfect place. But it's a special place because it's healthy for God. And I invite you, if you need a place, together, a Mizpah, come and connect with us here. You're watching by television or live stream. There will be information on the screen about how you can do the very same thing that I've just talked about. In here, you've got little tear-off parts of your worship folder, and you can make your decisions that way. But I want to invite you to come publicly. Would you do that? As Brother Aaron the choir lead us right now, you come on. Come on. Ready? close your eyes and bow your head no one looking about in this place and